0: This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Last week, uh, we concluded our series, Compromise. Matt did a great job in bringing that and, and kind of bringing it together. And uh, that was very, very great and helpful. We're ready to move into a new series. But it was just one of the the points that Matt made, which was particularly good, uh, particularly powerful, I thought, was love your way to influence and trust your way to opportunity. So I I love that point. And and thinking about that point, it kind of really does help to uh, kick us into this new series, which is called Others. So for the next few weeks, we are into this series called Others. And there's a particular scripture that has really been dominating my thoughts and making me think about, think about what we're all about, what we're about, what I'm about over the last few weeks through this summer. Uh, it has been the summer, not just yesterday. Um, today is still the summer. Believe it or not, but uh, this one particular scripture, and it's it's the translation I've got it from is the Living Bible, and it's there in Proverbs 11, 30. And I just want us to think about this for a moment. Godly men are growing a tree that bears life giving fruit, and all who win souls are wise. So there's a picture here of. A tree that's growing, and it's kind of an an analogy, it's our lives that are growing stronger in God. And if we bear fruit, which is fruit of a good character, fruit of love, fruit of grace, fruit of compassion, all kinds of things, fruit of the Spirit, if we are growing those things, it is sufficiently attractive that it draws people into our world. So I want to be the kind of people that, is, uh, that draws people into their world. Some of us, I don't think I've got a, a magnetic personality, so we can think, I've not got a magnetic personality, so that doesn't apply to me. Actually, I think it does apply to all of us, that we can have characteristics of God, to be like God, so that what people see in us is something of Jesus, and that draws people into our world. So I'm determined that I'll continue to grow that life-giving tree, to draw people. I came across an Irish proverb the other day, and uh, no jokes about Irish sayings, Because there could be people here who are from Ireland. Um, But here it is. You've got to do your own growing no matter how tall your grandfather was. Neither of my grandfathers were tall. But you've already worked that one out. But in a spiritual sense, we have to do our own growing. We may have been introduced to, to Jesus by a giant spiritually somebody you really uh, appreciate, uh, look up to, value, respect, and so on. But that's wonderful. But when it comes to me and my spiritual walk, I have to do my own growing. You have to do your own growing. So to grow is natural, but if we don't do certain things deliberately, our growth will not be what all it can be spiritually. So I want to kind of throw down that as a challenge, I guess, and, 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 and as, a, as something that I, I want to put out there to say, let's make sure that we keep the growing going. Yeah, very good. Keep the growing going. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to develop in my character. I want to be Christ-like in how I live, how I deal with people. Like you, at times I'll mess up and not be the best example, but I'm having a go. I'm doing my best. And in God's strength, we can do that. So godliness is attractive. Being like Jesus, having his characteristics, that is attractive. So Christians, I, I actually think Christians should be good people to be around. They should be fun. They should be caring. They should be compassionate. They should be kind. They should be uh, patient. Fruit of the Spirit, all of those. We should be those kind of things. We should be working on those so people want to be near to us. So godliness of the godly life is, grows a tree that bears life-giving fruit. But it goes on to say, all who win souls are wives. As much. Uh, reminded us last week, we're not out at winning arguments, we're out to win people. Now, you, you might, if you can win an argument, what's the point of that if you lose the person? So as Christians, we want to win people into the kingdom, win people into uh, God's kingdom, win people into our community, because they see some, something of Jesus in us. So we're drawing people in like that. It's not about winning arguments, it's about winning people. It's a bit like some Christians are with the Bible. They use the Bible against people. That's never right. It's never right. Because, um, you know, people are sometimes put off because people use the Bible, because Christians try to use it to win arguments with people who don't know anything about it. How ridiculous that is? If you've got information, but you want, you're trying to use that to win an argument, no, we want to draw people in. It's a bit like, you know, if you can remember, when you, you start playing a game that you've never played before, and the person who's, who's, who knows how to play the game says, don't worry, start playing, it'll be right. I know the rules, it'll be right. And then they seem to have an ability to whatever you are. Ah, you can't do that. It's, it's against the rules. You feel at a disadvantage when they know the rules and you don't know the rules. So we use the Bible, the Bible is in strength in itself, it's alive, it's God's word, to draw people into our world, not to bash people. So there's enough life in this that we can all grow from and and know about God, but we, we, we win people, not with telling them where they're going wrong, but by drawing them into, into our world with the love of God and our compassion, our grace, our care, our love, and so on and so forth. So that's what it is. Evangelism, and, and Luke gave us a great example, didn't he, just just a few moments ago, how somebody reached out and a consequence of that, him, his family, you know, many years later are following Jesus. That's what evangelism does, but sometimes we think, well, that's not me because I'm actually not very outgoing. I'm, I'm a bit shy. I'm, I'm not very eloquent. I'm not quite sure how to go about that. But, you know, it's not about this great argument, as I'm trying to illustrate. It is about loving somebody. It's about being compassionate. It's about showing something of Jesus that draws people into your world. And then you get the opportunity to tell them about the goodness of God, reaching out with kindness. Life. Is not just about me and mine, it's about others. A big life, a big worldview is that we not just exist for ourselves, but we exist to bless, help, influence, encourage, reach other people. So, others is a focus I want us to get hold of over these next few weeks. So, we think about others. Yeah, your story is a great story, but what about others? Your life is going good. God's blessing you. You, you, you. you love being part of this community. Things are going well, perhaps, or things are not going so well, but you're well supported in the struggle. Absolutely, we have responsibility to, to support each other. But what about others? What about others? Life is not just about me. We were created for community. We were created to, to give, not just to receive. So we're going to look at some of the New Testament stories of how Jesus connected with people and drew them into his world. And I think we're going to learn a few lessons. I think we're going to get a few tips. We're just going to have some examples of how that we can live a bigger world and draw people, influence, connect, help, and reach people for the kingdom. That's what we are going to look at. So the challenge is for you, first of all, let me give you another challenge this Uh, this morning. For the next few weeks, I want you to have another story. You know, sometimes when you talk about the things of God, if our stories are only old stories, there's something missing. We need something up to date of what God's done. And I'm challenging me and you to say, let's come up with some new stories over the next few weeks. Let's come with some new stories how we've reached out, touched people's lives, reached people, and started to build bridges into the kingdom. So let's not live on past successes. Thank God for that. We draw strength and encouragement from all that God's done for us in the past, but it's today our relationship with God has to be current if it's real. It will be current if it's real. So let's think about how we can do that and come up with some new stories. It's not just about me. It's about others. He who, all who win souls are wise, winning people. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. And uh, we're going to just read a few verses there and see how Jesus... Uh, this was after Jesus had been in the wilderness. He'd had 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. He was, he was tempted by the devil, and he, he won a phenomenal victory in that situation. And, you know, from the strength of winning a victory, you're then stronger to then do something. What, you, what you, Victories you win in private make you stronger in public. Okay, so you've got some challenges in your life, and and, and, but if you win these with God and you hang on to God and you keep praying and you keep believing, having faith in God, what you win in private will give you strength for your public life. So Mark chapter 1 verse 14, let's read about Jesus coming straight from the wilderness, the desert, incredible challenge, he won a great victory. And there there we go from verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Then it, it says how he called his first disciples. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So Jesus went into Galilee announcing, proclaiming good news. Okay? If you've got good news, you want to announce it. You want to proclaim it. You want to tell other people. You know, if you've, had, if you've got a job and you've been out of work for some time, that's great news. You want to tell somebody. If you've been praying for a particular situation and you've seen a breakthrough, someone's been healed, needs been met, whatever that is, you just want to share that. If, if you've got a new baby born into a family, you don't think, well, I won't mention it because people won't be interested. Of course we are. We want to share the good news. Good news is for sharing. So Jesus, Proclaimed, announced, good news, and uh, we have to remember. I believe that we've got some good news to proclaim. We've got something great that God has done, and we are, have a responsibility to pass that on to proclaim. And sometimes a word in Greek is used to preach. It means to announce. We got big fanfare, drum roll. We've got some good news great news that Jesus is alive and he cares for people. So we're not supposed to keep that to himself, to ourselves. So Jesus announced that. He preached good news. He came out from strength of a victory he'd won in private to announce good news in public, and many people heard him. But first of all, it was to call these first disciples or followers or students of his... We, we just read it right there, which, which it was... Um, Simon and Andrew that were welcomed, and then James and uh, John. So announcing good news, preach the good news. He said the time has come, the kingdom has come near. So Jesus is telling people, what you've been waiting for, it's actually arriving. No need to wait any longer, it's arriving. We kind of got the same announcement. What people are looking for, it's here. No need to wait. This is what it's all about. He's announcing the good news. He's bringing the timing just at the right time. He's telling them that. The kingdom of God has come near. A kingdom is where somebody rules, okay? Forget a geographical location necessarily. We are in God's kingdom if God rules in us. If God's the boss, if he's center and and everything to us. If he comes first, if we, if we consider him before making any decision, if we ask him for guidance, if we put God first, then we're in the kingdom. It's as simple as that. I'm in the kingdom of God. Well, the, you can answer that for yourself. If you put Jesus first, you're in the kingdom. And so we invite the rule of God. It's not imposed on us at this time. We invite God to be, and we submit ourselves to his rule. We're not sort of bowing, thinking, well, I, I don't want to do this, but I've got to do this. No, we invite the rule of God into our lives and seek to live for him. That's what the kingdom looks like. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is saying there needs to be a response. We need to turn, which is all that repent means. We need to stop doing what we were doing and start to live for him. That's the call from this scripture. So we see in the first couple of verses we read from 16 that Jesus calls his first disciples to follow him. It was an invitation for them to become followers. And so the invitation is for us today to become followers of Jesus. If you've never... Become a follower. If you've never made him your king and allowed his rule into your life, invited that into his life, into your life, then the invitation is for you this morning to become a follower. If you drifted and you're not following as closely to him as you used to do, or perhaps feel you should do, then the invitation is there again. Well, come on, catch up. Let's be followers. Let's be close followers of Jesus. To be followers, that's the invitation to us all. But when we look at the last few verses that we read, we see that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, it always makes me chuckle, it's a great name. They were also invited to follow. They were just invited to follow. So the invitation was for them. But for them, like Simon and Andrew, they had to leave something to become a follower. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, there are things you need to leave behind. The kind of things like mistakes and hurt yeah. and bitterness, disappointments, anger. You can leave those behind because if you try to follow somebody, but you're carrying the Lord of baggage, how, how much harder it is to keep up? Because these things are preventing you become a close follower. So the call is to leave behind where you were to be a follower of Jesus. Now that's very, very clear. If we carry things with us, the things I've mentioned like hurts and prejudice and and mistakes and and so on and so forth, that is not going to help us to be a follower. And Jesus said, I'm going to cause you to... You've been, you're fishermen, but now you're going to fish for people. got to confess, I know nothing about fishing. I know some friends who uh, fish. I don't, not many of them actually catch anything, but I know some people who go fishing. And I, I don't really understand. That's a bit too passive for me. It doesn't, I don't really understand that. But Jesus entered into their world and said, you were fishing for fish. Now you're going to fish for men. It's interesting that Jesus always found a point of contact, something where he could relate to people. Jesus was not a fisherman. He possibly didn't know any more about fishing than I do. He may have done. But he made a point of contact. To fishermen, he talked about fishing. To farmers, he talked about farming, and so on and so forth. Jesus was a carpenter, a joiner, but nowhere can I find in the New Testament that he actually gave illustrations about carpentry or joinery. It isn't talking about a dovetail joint or anything like I just can't see that. Why was that? Because he made sure that he had a point of contact to the people he was speaking to. And I think if we're going to reach people, we need to reach them where they are. We need to understand the culture. We need to be able to get alongside somebody, not to... Uh, absorb their culture, but to be able to understand what people are going through, and where people are at. And God calls us to do the same thing. He found common ground and he could relate. You know, if you're a Christian, someone at some point, whether that was a leaflet, whether it was a conversation, whether it was an invitation, what at some point, somebody shared the things of God with you. Now, just think about that for a moment. You will be able to remember when that was and who that was. It should, perhaps it's unique, unique to you. It might not mean a whole lot to anybody else, but that was significant for you. If that's true, we are forever grateful to that person, whoever that was. We're also eternally grateful to that, per, to that person and to grateful to God for, for prompting that person to speak to us. And if remembering that, I believe, causes us to think, hang on a minute, I've got responsibility to continue to reach out to others. Because if someone reached out to me, I have responsibility to reach out to others. And that's the kind of point I want us to kind of grasp hold of this morning because that we have a responsibility. I'm glad that someone reached out and touched my life. I'm glad that I was taught the way to go by my parents. You might be glad that you were, that someone invited you along to church or just was there for you in a tough time or just said, I'll pray for you. And something that they said and, and something about their life caused you to be drawn into relationship with God. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, I want you to just remember that right now. Just take a moment to pause and remember that because that's so significant. How important is it then that we keep the story going? How important is it that we can stop thinking just about ourselves but reach out into a bigger world? reach people and touch people with the things of God, the good news about Jesus. If you're a Christian, we have a responsibility, I believe that. I'm not outgoing, I, I don't really have any confidence, I'm, I, I never seem to have the right words to say, I'm, I, I don't really know how to put this all together. Well, that may be true, but you can still love somebody. You can still be compassionate to somebody. You can still encourage somebody. You can still pray for somebody. You can still be there for somebody. You can still show love, grace in somebody's life. We can all do that. That builds a bridge so that people can walk into a relationship with God. We can do that. We have a responsibility to do that. Grace, love, living a life of example. We can do that. And each Christian I believe should have an ability to explain the basic, basically what we believe. I'm not talking about being uh, to give a theological lecture. I'm talking about saying this is what God's done for me, and this is what God can do for you. How simple is that? God's forgiven me. I, I, I've got a peace. Uh, God's changed my life. We can share that story. No question about it. The Bible puts it in a way that we should be prepared to give an answer. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15, it says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let's think about that. So, when we build relationships, when we earn the right to speak into somebody's life, and that's a process, evangelism Evangelism doesn't work if it's about accosting people in the street and just someone says, good morning to you, and then you just give them the full Bible. No, that's not how it works. We build a relationship and then we take an opportunity. But when the opportunity dawns, we should be ready to prepare to give an answer to everyone for, to give the reason for the hope that we have. We need to be ready to do that. So think about this. When I get my next opportunity this week, and I'm going to pray for me and for you this week, that we get like so many opportunities. like think, what's happened around me? You know, suddenly everyone seems to be interested in the things of God. How is this? What's going on? Well, I'm, I'm praying for a divine intervention right now that this is going to happen in our world. But we need to be ready to give an explanation to explain what we believe. And I love what it says, if you put it back on please, Dan, what it says there, but do this with gentleness and respect. Nobody loves a Bible basher. Nobody loves an angry Christian. Nobody loves nobody loves God. Well, God does, but people don't respond. <laughs> People don't respond for that kind of attitude. They just don't. It does not work. Do this with gentleness and respect. The minimum people should receive from us is gentleness and respect. To draw people into our world. Not to tell them where they're going wrong, but to invite them into a relationship with a God who loves them. To invite them into a relationship where there's grace, where there's love, where there's forgiveness, where there's compassion, where, where there's hope. I just love it. Christians, you know, we can't explain every verse of the Bible, but you can tell your story. You can't, you know, have a cast iron argument about this, that, and everything. And even if you did, it wouldn't win anybody, because it's not how it works. We don't, but we don't need to know every verse of the Bible. We don't need to have a cast, uh, an ironclad argument. We just don't need to start with what you know, what's in your heart. I just jotted a couple of things down and I just believe these are, these are powerful. I'll read them so I don't miss them. We know that God sent his son to die for us and that he now lives in us. You know that. We know that God has done what God has done for us. I know what God's done for me. He's forgiven me. He's, he's, just, he's just so patient with me. He's so compassionate to me. He's so understanding with me. I know what God's done for me. He sent his son To give his life for me. I know that that that's what God's done for me. We know that our sins are forgiven by faith in Jesus. We know that we have peace with God in our lives. We have a hope and our lives of purpose. We know God wants us to stop living for ourselves and to live for him. These are things that you know. You know... That you're forgiven. You know that you have a hope. You know that God's for you, not against you. You know that God's been active in your life. You know that God's poured out His blessing in your life. You know that God's been with you when you've been in tough situations, impossible situations, backs against the wall, abandoned, perhaps felt lonely, but God's been there. You know these things and we can share them with others. We absolutely can. Nothing and nobody can convince us that these things are not true. What makes but you know what really makes our story believable? Is that we live what we preach. Yeah, yeah, we live what we preach. If we don't actually live it, it's just like a barrage of words. It's empty, it's it's dead, it's 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 not gonna be effective, but we have to live what we preach. In one Peter three we read verse fifteen, verse sixteen says that this. If the musicians would, would join me, that would be great. Thanks. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I like the way the message puts it like this. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. That's good, isn't it? That's great. So we, we, we've got to watch our lives. We've got to live right. We've got to live That we actually do love people. We've got to be patient with people. And you know, when you need to be patient with someone, it's not always that convenient. It doesn't always happen at the most appropriate moment. But we still need to show the patience and love of God to people and the blessing of God and the support and encouragement and everything. Others, it's not about us. I wanted to remind you this morning to remember your calling. God's spoken to you, called you into relations with, with Him He's called you to be a follower. Are you still following as closely as you, as you ought to do? But, you know, we just need to remember, it isn't actually just about us. We have responsibility to reach out to other people. And I want this community to increasingly be a community of faith that cares more about the people who don't yet come. Because it's not just about those of us here right now. It's about the lives that you touch Monday to Friday, it's about the people you work with. It's about your family. It's about, it's about the people down your street. It's about the people that kind of come into your world, others. They're not different. They're, they're not worse or better or anything than us. They're just not yet in God's kingdom. But we have responsibility to reach out to those. others. There's live lives that bring honor to God And be ready to give an answer. Be ready to explain what we believe and why we believe. Remember to tell your story. What about thinking about this this week and brushing up on your story? Remembering what God's done for you and being ready to explain that. And think, can can I, can I say this, and it doesn't sound religious. Can I say this, and it's in a language that anybody would understand. Think about that, and then the power of God can work on people's lives. I absolutely believe that discover more about us at lifelines.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via itunes thanks for listening